Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We are beyond excited to be back in the studio yet again, except this time it's going to be a little different for this episode. So it's a shortened panel today. So far to start off the episode, it is just going to be Country Club Kobe and myself, the host, Reese Polfer, and then Slash Kingpin MMA. Uh, DK Longhorn, Capper MMA, Capper underscore 69. He is currently on vacation with no internet. And then Parker will be headed in uh, about at the halfway point. So he'll get his introduction in. So we'll, we'll have uh, 75% of the crew, but for the first half, it's just the lone wolves, the 50 percenters. So on deck for the show, we did last week, if you're looking for content, you're itching for content. Last week, we had a Sean Merriman interview. Uh, went phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Uh, check out his promotion, um, Lights Out Extreme Fighting. And he came on and, and shot the shit with us for a little bit. It was a phenomenal interview. It also had the recap for last week's card because there was no card last Saturday. And then um, it also had the set the spread for this week's episode. So Danny and myself could get some extra taping in. Uh, Danny wanted me to press the message that although he's not on the podcast today, he will have his picks up on Twitter. Uh, his taping has not been sacrificed at all he just doesn't have the internet connection to tune in this week we are recording on a wednesday night here kobe how you feeling my man i'm feeling good i'm kind of laughing at the fact that danny found somewhere without internet in this country in this day and age i almost think he's taking pto because i don't really believe it I, I it's hard to believe but um so how, i'm good i'm good we had a, yeah, uh, how, how do you feel stepping up to the big show i mean this is like you are filling in for danny and this is just this is the big time this is where it's all about I got big shoes to fill, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Dude, I think Danny's a size kids three. So you got, room, <laughs> you, got you seriously got some shoes to fill here. No, but so, I, I want to direct the attention. Go back and listen. Listeners out there, go back and listen to the Merriman interview. It was fantastic. He's an awesome listen and uh, doing a great job with Lights Out Extreme Fighting. And uh, check that out. They've got yeah. that connection with Fubo TV. So go check that out. No, the whole thing's awesome. And speaking of interviews, too. Uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention that C country club Kobe's been hard at work and he has some more in the pipelines here. So um, stay tuned as always uh, tag some people you might want to have see on the podcast, but yeah, we have some stuff in the pipeline, some other organizations, some uh, other, even some other athletes. So we're excited to get after it. Don't um, let your guard so down listeners. So just always stay tuned for the new interviews. If you missed the Sean Merriman, uh, go back last week and give it a review because this one's going to be a shorter episode. So what we have on deck today, we're going to review this uh, upcoming card this Saturday, and we're also going to spice it up a little differently. And we're going to go through, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but our pound for pound rankings and how ours differ from the UFCs. With that being said, though, we need something from you listeners. We need you to tweet at us or tag us on Instagram or anything really. It doesn't really matter. DM us. I, if you want to be private, it doesn't matter, but we want to see what your top five pound for pound list is 
And if you agree with us or disagree with us, and I, I'm beyond curious to see where everyone stands because where it stands right now, I pointed out a couple of weeks ago, the UFC official pound for pound ranking is truly hilarious. So let's, I guess let's start it off. Um, let's go right there. Week, let's go right there while we're talking. Let's go about right there. Uh, but quickly, just to let everyone know, we will also do a quick, really, really short dive into a couple promotions this week because there's some good cards on and we might actually get some fighters on from these other promotions. So we want to get you guys a, a little bit introduced to some of the names. Uh, 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 tomorrow night, PFL tournament number eight is on. Bellator 265 is on Friday and then UFC fight night, Gaslam versus Cannoneers this Saturday. And that will be the bulk of the coverage. But let's start, let's just get into it right away with pound for pound UFC rankings. We're not, I don't think you're, you are, you've come a long way from the first beginning days. I don't think you're ready to worldwide pound for pound. Let's, let's start with the UFC here. Pound for pound rankings. Who do you have at number one? You want to start with number one? You want yeah, to go five to one? No, let's, let's do number one. Cause I wrestled. Uh, you know what? Maybe we go five to one. Actually. All right, let's go five to one. Five to one. I actually know. Fair warning. I wrestled with the back half of mine pretty good. Oh yeah. Let's go one to five. Let's go one okay. to five. All right, All right, who's your who's who's number one pound well, for pound fighter in the UFC? I, I want to read through the UFC as it's listed pound for pound right now, and that's kind of what sparked the conversation. Yeah. John Jones, UFC has number one pound for pound, followed by Usman, Izzy, Volk, Ngannou, Dustin, Jan Blachowicz, Stipe, Holloway, Chucky Olives, Brandon Moreno, and so on. And and really quickly, this is what I'm saying. When you look at so the thing that really sparked it was um, Piotr Jan was ahead of Aljamain Sterling on the actual pound for pound list, even though Aljo's the champion, which I think all fight fans kind of agree, but it's interesting that the UFC would discredit their champion like that. That was one issue. And then another issue is like you said, you have a guy like Charles Oliveira at 10 and you have two guys who currently are not holding gold in Max Holloway, who lost to Dawson at 55 and, and has also lost to Volk two times. And, and so you look at that, you're like, interesting. You're, the, the, the current lightweight champ is lower than the guy who lost to Dustin for the lightweight champ. It's just interesting. It's just interesting. So that's what really sparked this. And they had and, Connor up there too, before his, his most recent loss. Yeah, they did have Connor up there. I mean, John Jones hasn't fought in two years. Like it's just, it's interesting. So with that being said, who do you have won? And, and I guess follow that up with, with why, because this is going to be a, this is going to be a little bit of a conversation. I have Usman won and I didn't really have any, any hangups about putting him in number one. He was okay. pretty, pretty clear for me there. Is that who you have also? That is absolutely who I had. And the other thing too, that's interesting that you mentioned it is I also didn't really have anybody close. I think that if you look through the UFC rankings through and through, and again, this is only male. This is only male pound for pound. Female have their own pound for pound list. We're doing just male pound for pound list. I think that Kamara Usman is the toughest champion to dethrone in, in the entire organization. And, and that what you said right there is kind of how I looked at it. I looked at that at their specific weight classes, who is the most dominant, who poses the biggest threat long term. Yeah. And, and that's it's, it's got to be Usman with his skill set, with his power. Everything he's got going for him right now. I agree. Like if you look for a pure pound for pound fighter, especially with how much his striking has come along, you look at guys like Francis Ngannou, who I'm, I'm assuming he's on your list here. You look at guys like Francis Ngannou and you say, well, he hasn't shown us anything other than striking. 
So when you look at pound for pound fighter, you look, I mean, obviously Francis Ngannou would beat Kamaru Usman in a fight. That's not what we're debating here. It's based on how all of your skill sets and all of your facets, how good are you opposed to all other competition? Because you have to take weight out of it. Right. So I think I'm, I'm happy that you also, I mean, John Jones is a phenomenal fighter and probably the goat, but he hasn't fought in two years. And the last two times he's fought, in my opinion, he lost to Dominic Reyes and Tiago Santos. So with that being said, I, I, I'm happy you have Kamaru Usman at one. I also do. I would be interested to see if anyone doesn't have Kamaru Usman at one and why. So let us know at Ankle Pick Pod. As always, I really want to get this conversation going because I'm beyond fascinated by what people might have to say here. Who do you have at number two? Francis. Mm, okay. And- I, I did have to think about this one too because I'm not as confident that he's as dethronable as some other current champs in the UFC. That being said, him and the, the obviously the number one contender, the interim belt holder, and Cyril Gan, I think that they're pretty head and shoulders above the rest of the competition at heavyweight. And I'm just yeah. I, when I look at when I look at Nganu, it's a guy that I've been on since. I don't know. I, well, before he got the title, and obviously he deserved title shots before he ended up getting a title shot. But uh, that—that's kind of how I reconciled putting him too. What do you got? So this one's going to be the one that I think I probably am going to get the most flack for, and the reason why is I think that people in the U uh, in the MMA slash UFC community as a whole, I feel like they don't respect this man as much as I do, and I'm really shocked honestly, but mine's actually Alexander Volkanovsky. And when he comes and fights Brian Ortega here shortly, I think in September, he's going to be going for his 20th straight pro win. He beat the, what a lot of people consider the goat featherweight in Max Holloway twice. And for those who say, oh, he lost the second time. uh, Seriously, go watch that fight back. I said the same thing. I really thought live Volkanovsky lost. After watching it back a second, third, fourth time, I actually gave Volk the card. I really did. I actually applaud that judging for how well how well they um, scored that one. So you're looking at a guy like Volkanovski, who is you know minus two and change against uh, pretty much everyone he's ever fought, other than Max Holloway, three and change, four and change, and I think, and again, I, I hope. This doesn't ruin a future set the spread episode, but for the pound for pound list, I did peek at this one. Volkanovsky is minus two and change against Brian Ortega coming up. So it's like, I might need to exempt myself from set the spread, but it was important to show that the champion is that far and away, you know, favored where it's like, you look at yours, Francis and Ganu, him and Cyril Ghan are minus 110 each way. That's, I don't see a single featherweight getting close to minus 110 with Volkanovsky. And then you look at his skill sets, how his striking, striking and his wrestling and especially his clinch work has come around. It's, it's hard to deny him the number two spot, in my opinion. But Francis obviously is a threat for sure. If Volk and Holloway fight again, what do you think that line's set at? Volk's got to be the favorite. He's got I mean, to be I agree he's got to be the favorite, but I'm curious. I, I think it's a shorter One, line than Ortega. 150. Yeah, it is. It is. But I think that partially comes with Max Holloway. I mean, Max Holloway also shit on Ortega, taught him how to strike inside the octagon. It was one of the biggest one-sided fights for seen. I mean, Max Holloway, Jose Aldo, these are the guys that when you look back on the featherweight division, like those guys are the goats. Those guys are the guys that dominated for so long. And I think Volkanovsky 
is the third guy in that race right now where it's like, how far can he extend himself? I do think he's older. I think, I think, especially with his rugby career, I'm going to look this up now, especially with his rugby career. I, I do think he's a little bit older than to like really propel himself. We're like Max was fighting at 23. You know what I mean? 22, 23. So he's 32. So realistically he has a three solid years left and then he'll start tapering down. Uh, I'm comfortable having Volk at, at two for pound for pound. I've got Piotr Jan at three. Wow. Wow. Now that one's interesting. I think that without that DQ, he's just so far head and shoulders above everyone else at that bantam weight. We've seen good – we've seen TJ Dillashaw show up, and we still hold Corey Sandhag in pretty high regard. I mean, we just saw Jose Aldo put on a clinic. Obviously, Aljamain Sterling currently holding the belt. Piotr Jan just combined skill sets so well, and there's no question he was winning that fight until the DQ. And he's you gotta awesome. you gotta have a better level head on your shoulders. We're gonna see that fight rematch. What two sixty seven? I think. Yeah, and he's minus obvious. like three hundred and change. And I'm not but, gonna take Aljamain at that number. I don't know if I'm gonna bet Piotr just because of how steep it is. But sure. yeah, but like that's interesting that when you're looking at all these different weight classes, that you actually would put a guy who technically isn't holding gold right now in at number three. I don't hate that. I don't hate that. I thought I was gonna be the only one with Piotr in my top five. He is in my top five. Um. Number three for me is, is, and this is, this is where I know it's, it's going to be coming back at me. Uh, Jan Blahovich. Um, and there's a, there's a reasoning for that. And one, it's his well-rounded skill set. I think that Jan Blahovich, from what I've seen recently, and he's had a really long career. So a lot of people are going to be like, Oh, look at those losses, you know, three years ago, four years ago. How, how can he be? Okay. Look where he's improved. Once he changed camps and took everything very seriously, this man has been on an absolute tear and he's dismantling people like Israel Adesanya that people think are top three pound for pound, including the UFC. So I don't understand how the UFC, I, I get it was up a weight class. I don't understand how the UFC could have Izzy at three pound for pound and Jan Blahovich at seven pound for pound. I think. Yeah. It's middleweight Izzy. I understand that, but we're looking at just like the overall skill sets. Like I understand that the weight defeats the purpose of the pound for pound. Like I get that. I know people are going to go on Twitter and be like, you're an idiot. The whole point of this is to ignore weight. So that win doesn't matter. Well, I like looking at the, at the, at, Look, Jan got the better of Izzy on the feet in those in that fight. He was winning those exchanges, and then he took it a step farther by showing his ground prowess over Israel Adesanya. Granted, yeah, there is a size advantage there, but I would tell you right now, I think that, I mean, it's impossible for Jan to get down to 185, but I think if Izzy really bulked up and fought Jan at 205, I think he still loses. I really, really, really believe that. I think that... Jan Blahovich, currently where it sits, has a better skill set, well-roundedness than Israel Adesanya, and I comfortably have Jan Blahovich in at three. And, and I, I, go ahead. Well, and no, I was just saying, and you can get a trend here from my list. There's one thing that I've said about all three guys, and that's the well-roundedness. And I think that's a very important factor when you look at pound for pound, because you're looking at guys not based on weight, but based on skill set and how they would stack up against everybody else if size was neutralized based on their skill sets. And so that's why I know people are like, well, how is Francis not 
you know, two or three. Well, it's because I think Francis, I think his strongest asset is his size. And I think that if you look at a guy, like, for example, let's say you neutralize size as a whole and you have Charles Oliveira versus Francis Ngannou, are you a thousand percent sure Francis Ngannou is going to win? I don't think so. I've seen sloppiness in his striking against Jair Rosenstruck. I know it ended fast, but he was wailing. We've seen him go lose decisions to Black Beast Lewis. Granted, that was a couple of years ago, but I just think that even him not opening as a favorite or opening, but not sitting at a favorite against Cyril Gaunt right now, I think it's hard to put him in your top five, even though he's a phenomenal talent and obviously a champ. I, I know what you're saying about him not sitting at a steep favorite, but I'm going to be betting in Gaunt. I think you are too, right? At that number. I think it really depends how everything comes around. I mean, yes, probably, probably. But I, at the same time, I'm really looking to narrow that one in because I'm I'm not totally sure. I mean, Cyril Gaon, his skill sets, if you really look at it, and Grant, this might be one of those things that five years from now we look back on this debate and we're like, wow, we had to put Cyril Gaon and Francis up against each other. That's tough. I mean, Cyril's really, he really has that much in his repertoire. But you just look at the well-roundedness of Cyril and then also his movement. Holy shit. I think that could be a recipe for, for Francis. But let's... Not good on that rabbit hole. So right now, yours is looking at Kamaru Usman, Francis Ngannou, Piotr Jan. Mine's Kamaru Usman, Alexander Volkanovsky, Jan Blahovich. Who do you have slotted in at that four slot, top for pound for pound? Brandon Moreno. Wow. Okay. Wow. I, I really like Brandon Moreno. Yeah, I, I don't hate that. He's he's absolutely proven himself against Figgy. Now twice, obviously, the first one was a draw. And you could say that he was could have been losing that fight, but you know, points are points. Yeah. The eye poke counts just as much and, and showing up and absolutely dominating figgy that second time around. Um, I'm looking at the flyweight division and I, and I like him matched up against everybody else. I know Askar Askarov is a pod favorite, but I'm, I'm still looking at a champ. That's a likable guy. And I know that that doesn't really need to factor into the pound for pound. No, but you're I, not wrong. I, I want to give Brandon Moreno a shout. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. And I, I think that the big thing about Brandon Moreno that I did think about, but I mean, he's young still. He's like 27, 28, something like that. I did think about potentially having Brandon Moreno crack into mind due to his well-roundedness. You saw him finish a guy like Figgy on the ground, not even striking, but he also obviously can go tit for tat in the striking game. I just think that there still is a little more to be seen, maybe a couple defenses here and there. Um before I, I can class on a top five, but I don't hate that. I don't hate that. I think that I don't hate that. I think that there's a lot of people out there listening to this clawing their ears being like, Jan Blahovic at three, Bramarino at four. But I want them to really think about what we're saying here and think about all the different skill sets they bring to the table. And again, get into the b- debate with us at ankle pick pod on Twitter or any of your socials. So for four on for, for my four, and this is where I start to go back into like normality. I have John Jones at four and it's in, it, this might be because I'm an old fan of the sport. It might be because I've been here. Like I've been, I've watched the rise, the fall, the rise again, the fall, the rise of John Jones. Did, do I think that, that those Dominic Reyes, especially with the way Jan dismantled him, the Dominic Reyes fight and the Thiago Santos fight, were those way closer than they should have been? Absolutely. Without a doubt, absolutely, absolutely. But it's hard to deny 
John's skill set. I mean, it kills us because we haven't seen him in so long and he's had so many issues. And it's like, there's, I've never seen a man in sports with more question marks and more things to explain. But a guy that has his skill set on the ground, a guy who has the, the wrestling pedigree that he has and all the, like his wrestling foundation is so fucking good that he can accompany that with striking and also fight IQ. I, it's, I would have him higher if he was active. If he was active, it'd be between him and Kamaru for one. But just the inactivity in his last two fights, I have so, to slide him down. My only piece of feedback here, or yeah. pushback, I don't even want to call it feedback. If he was active, seems like a huge qualifier. Like, if he was active, Khabib's at the top of my list. Well, so I, I know that he's officially retired and John's John Jones is not. But like, have I, we I just want to say anything that's like progressing in the right direction for John Jones, even. I just want to say more active. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's we all so know what's relevant in the sport right now, just coaching. No, I mean, we all know what John's capable of. He relinquished his belt. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this oh, way. Okay, hold on. Let me, let me take one more step back. Yeah. Is, is it light, heavy John Jones, or is it heavy John Jones that you're putting number four? I would go as far to say that it doesn't matter. I really would go to far to say it didn't matter, but for all intents and purposes, light, heavy. Okay. But I would go to far to say that I, I really think that heavyweight John Jones, you really won't see that big of a difference. He's got such a huge frame that if he can comfortably sit at 45, maybe even 40, he would have such a movement and speed advantage over all the other guys. It's just what it is. He's such a gifted freak athlete. I don't disagree. <laughs> My only pushback is that we're not, we haven't seen him forever. Yeah, I agree with you. In the last I, few times we saw him, it's been, yeah, I agree. Under, no, I agree under, with you. Underwhelming. I agree with you. I'm just saying that like what I know I've seen from John and what I know he's capable of. And, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you have to remember that, Although they were close, he does have two wins on his record for those fights. So I don't want to discredit him for it being close. True. Um, I wrestled with my number five spot. I ended up going with Izzy at number five. Okay. Um, okay. The, the reason I wrestled with it so much was because of kind of the, the poor taste Izzy left in her mouth, fighting it light heavy. But middleweight Izzy is, I think, holding that number four spot for me. It's yeah the way he dismantled the Tory, it wasn't close. And I know that, 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 that <laughs> I'm looking at your face. You, you could, no, you I could, mean, you're not, it, I mean, we, we went through that, a little bit of Izzy before. Like, Izzy won that know. fight. Izzy won that fight. But I just, I really want to keep, I mean, we've done this conversation a million times in the pod and we'll do it again when he fights next against Robert or whoever he dances with. But here's the thing. When you look at his wins age, they just don't, age as well as you'd like to. And I, I'm still hung up on that Kelvin Gastelum split decision or like barely victory because Kelvin Gastelum, I mean, you're looking at Kelvin right now. He just got ankle or not ankle. But he got heel hooked by fucking Jack Hermanson and he's, he's fighting in a main slot. I mean, he's a gatekeeper and he realistically was one round being in better shape from being the middleweight champion for a little bit. I just, I don't know how to say it any other way. And then he goes up to 205, loses. He fought a Robert Whitaker who was severely mentally uh, fatigued. He fought Apollo Costa, who everyone else, everyone saw, has now seen the facade that is Apollo Costa. He's no longer even, I, I wouldn't consider him active. I know he's got a fight book, but he's probably going to withdraw. Oh, when, he, when, when he's sober, he could be good. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I just think. But he, you, you skipped over Yoel, and you skipped over Vittori there, too. He's defended this middleweight title. No, first off, first off, that Yoel fight was way too close. 
way too close. A lot of people had it for Yoel. Izzy threw what? 40 strikes. Yoel threw 30. I mean, it was it was a joke. He's hold, he's holding gold at middleweight. He's coming off You're right. the title defenses. You're right. It's tough. Like as much as they could age poorly, I agree. You can with you. Holes in a lot of people's resumes. I just I, I don't want to get too deep down this. No, rabbit. I agree with you. I just think that there's. I just think when you look at guys, and again, the big issue with this one, this name that it's not my five, but I'm mentioning, is that he's not currently holding gold. But Dustin Poirier, you look at him. I, I think he's significantly more dominant. And, and more well-rounded in, in skill sets. You look at a guy like Charles Oliveira, who is currently holding gold as well as Israel Adesanya. And I think the big issue that holds us back from Charles is, you know, he's got his submission pedigree of, of all his submissions and uh, the most in UFC history and so on and so forth. And then you realize like, oh, he's just a submission guy. But then you think about it, dude, he just knocked Michael Chandler the fuck out. And that's not an easy feat. You know what I mean? I think people are sleeping on him a little bit, partially because I don't think he speaks English and he doesn't have as big of a, you know. Like it's tough to make the public yeah, presence. Yeah, it's tough yeah. to make this like pound for pound ranking, which is an artificial ranking in the first place. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible uh, to compare. But my fifth um, is, is tied off with Piotr Jan. And that's why I was shocked that you had him. I thought I was going to be the only one with him because he's not holding gold, but. It's impossible to deny Piotr Jan's skill set. I mean, he, he got the better of Aljo on the feet, and Aljo was supposed to have the grappling advantage. On this podcast, everyone was talking about how uh, when Piotr, we all think Piotr's going to win, but the big thing is how is he going to look grappling against Aljo? Aljo should have the grappling advantage. Piotr was running a clinic on him in the grappling, and I just think when you look – up and down, even names like Jose Aldo, who Piotr Jan finished pretty viciously, I, I might add. Guys like TJ Dillashaw, who obviously is a slightly different TJ Dillashaw. But, I mean, I just think Piotr Jan, realistically, I mean, th this is just, without that knee, I think we're looking at a guy who, if he, if he stayed active, probably, you know, is, is up there with, with Kamara Usman in difficulty to dethrone. I want to give a second here for honorable mentions because I don't want to drag this out too long. Let's also add Piotr Jan's 28. I didn't realize he was that young. That's a good call out. Yeah, no. um, you mentioned Volk. You mentioned Jan Blahovic. I, I had those guys as actually probably seven and eight on my list, respectively. Yeah. Six on my list would be Cyril Gan. And so I, we, that, we, that's that's too premature. I know, but uh, you can't have it's, it's almost in defense of my Francis number two pick because remember what I was saying that the top yeah. of that is so head and shoulders above the rest but of heavyweight. You can't have Cyril gone nine fights into his MMA career at six when you have guys currently holding gold twenty fights into their MMA career, thirty fights in their MMA career, like Charles Oliveira below him. You know what I mean? I know it's a but tough sell. It's I'm a, a country club go, so that's my answer. No, and I'm, I respect – basically, it's one of these things. I, I, I respect your opinion, but you're wrong. You know what I mean? Fair. <laughs> you got um, any honorable mentions? I mean, Israel Adesanya is obviously on the fringe. He probably – I think a lot of people are probably like he needs to be in. I, I just I'm, – I'm not there yet. Uh, Francis Ngannou, obviously, I wanted to mention and add 
But I think the Cyril Gaon fight will be the telling there before he cracks the top five. Poirier is another honorable mention, but he just isn't holding gold. This sport's just so wild in the fact where you have guys like Dustin Poirier, who's not holding gold, John Jones, who's an active, um, Piotr Jan, who should be holding gold, but isn't. Like you have all these question marks where it makes it really hard. Like, for example, like I think Piotr Jan should be top two, but because he's not holding gold, how can I say that? You know what I mean? I don't know. It's weird. But I, I, I like your top five, actually. I think that you have a, a more – I think you have an interesting approach on your top five. Well, I appreciate um, that. But I'm, I'm interested. I really am. This is not, like, trying to get more interactions. Like, I'm actually curious what a lot of our listeners have at their top five pound for pound because this is something that I think everyone in the MMA community somehow disagrees on, and it should be something that's a little more cut and dry, I feel like. But I rarely agree with people on my top five pound for pound. This is fun. Let's uh, let's get yeah. Danny and Parker's when they. When I they think what we need to do him. is put a pin in this. Uh, you have them written down, correct? I got them. Put a pin in this. We're gonna look and we're gonna look at all of our social media mentions, and we are gonna take a peek at what other people are saying about their top five. And I think we should reconvene and put a pin in this and and figure out iron it out. Maybe we have an ankle pick, pound for pound. Ooh. I like that idea. Yeah, it's not terrible. Where we just, we basically just jam all the information together to find an overwhelming list of the pound for pound. Jamming information together. Speaking of jamming information together, yeah. let's your news and notes. Oh, rip it. I, I don't have anything. Go for it. Um, stop me. Here. Stop me when you need to. Anderson Silva and Tito, Tito Ortiz boxing match, September 11th. Okay, well, so Tito's going to get fucking shit on there, but that's fine. Anderson's looked good in his boxing appearances. What, what, do you know what the, is there even a line for that yet, or is this a spectrum? I haven't seen it. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. That's, that's Something really interesting. I, Legends yeah, of the sport. You, do you know by chance what, what, do they have a date announced for that? September 11th. Okay. Wow, that's a quick turnaround. Okay. Yeah, keep an eye on that. We'll probably cover that as it gets closer. We covered, Jacare at 262 and how that was probably it for him, but he officially retired this week. Okay. So yeah, that's big. Jacare obviously coming off that broken arm, really broken arm. And and he got also knocked out from the bottom, which was a tough sight to see from Kevin Holland. So I think Jacare's had an amazing, amazing career in this sport. Like one that I think a lot of people don't realize how long he's been around and, and his accolades that he has. But this, I think this is a good move for him. I think he's over 40 now as well. So, Yeah, I think he's 40. Sometimes it's just, yeah, sometimes it's just time. Sometimes it's just time. Um, Yoel Romero has, his, has a fight announced in Bellator. Phil Davis on September 18th. Yeah. I was about to say, that one's coming up. Um, Phil Davis is also an ex-UFC guy. They compete or they're going to be competing again when they, when they, when they get their light heavyweight grand prix going again. Um, so, or this might actually be part of it because wasn't Yoel set to fight Anthony Johnson and then that got scratched for some reason. Yeah. This might be a part. I don't know. I don't know. Don't quote me on that, but yeah, this is gonna be exciting. I mean, this is Yoel's uh, Bellator debut, I believe. So it is. Yeah. Yeah. This is gonna be exciting. Uh, we've got Kai Kamaka who parted ways with UFC this week. Saw that. Saw that. And that was coming off a draw. 
right? And He's kind of gotten screwed by the scorecard. Yeah, and we were debating on the podcast whether he was going to get pink slipped or not, and I think that it was unanimous that we didn't think so. Um, so, again, this one's a little different because they made it very apparent to say parting ways instead of pink slipped, right? I noticed there was a little bit different communication around it, but yeah. you know what? Not so hot take. I expect to see Kai Kamaka again in the octagon. I think that his skill sets there and something else. I don't know if he needs to change camps. I don't know if he needs to fine tune some things, but change up the mojo. Something, something. something. But yeah, he's got the skill set. So I, we'll see. I'm, I'm, we're going to keep following his career. No crazy fight announcements this week, but I'll run through a few of them. Dan Hooker and Nasrat Hakbrast at 266 on September 25th. Really quickly, that's a high-profile fight. That's a big step up for Nazareth. I mean, he got slumped by Drew Dober, um, and, and everyone talks about his striking pedigree, but that's a big, big step up for him, especially with Dan Hooker coming off that fight with Michael Chandler for probably number one contender. I mean, Chandler propelled to a title shot after that, so that's crazy. That's, a, that's an interesting matchmaking decision. Pod favorite, Tony Gravely, a month from today, Nate Maness, September 18th. I love that. I mean, it's a great fight for Tony. I, we're going to see a lot more of him. I have a good feeling. Misha Serkinov and Christoph Yotko. Like October, yeah, October yeah. 2nd. Okay. And we're that getting rebound. Now that, that one's like middling. I mean, that's not even on a pay-per-view main card right there. I mean, that's like a middle. Yeah, probably not. Right there. That's a no, it's definitely card. not on a pay-per-view main card. It, it's a fight night card, though, and it's... No way it's the main event. It's the week after... UFC 266, which is the week. Oh, wait. Oh, so it, is, it, is, it is a pay-per-view card. It's 267, but it's not going to be on the main card. No way. Interesting, though. That's an, that, I mean, that's a, that's a gatekeeper fight right there. We just That one's going to be in Abu Dhabi. UFC also confirmed that this week. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, and a really early card, too. That's going to be like a 10 a.m. main card, so that Sirkinov Yoko's might be real early. Right. Um, I can't even imagine. But and we'll then we're watching... Go ahead. We'll be watching and live tweeting, folks. Oh, yeah. Tune in. We're getting the rematch of an ankle lock that drew Mason Jones, Alain Patrick. That'll be October 23rd. And uh, you'll look to see all the ankle pick boys back on Mason oh, yeah. Jones. I mean, it was a domination the first time around. Patrick took the way out. I'm actually shocked he signed that bout agreement. I'm not going to believe it until I see him step back in there. But, yeah, interesting. And then – little spoiler alert here for those that haven't caught up yep. with Puff from this week yet. We've got yeah. So wait, before, uh, before you announce it, if you have not finished watching The Ultimate Fighter, the last air uh, episode uh, last aired Tuesday night. Tuesday night, Tuesday the 17th. So if you have not watched it, you know, skip ahead 30 seconds or 45 seconds because – we're about to uh, spoil it. So spoiler alert. Okay, Country Club, go ahead. We have warned them. We have warned them. And you only have a week to catch up because it's next week these two tough finales are going to be happening. We've got Sean Gore and Brian Battle at middleweight and Brady Highstand and Ricky Turquois at bantamweight. So what's interesting about that is for the Ricky versus Brady. Brady. That fight is both for Team Volkanovsky. And then the Treshawn Gore is the last soldier for Ortega, and he's fighting Brian Battle, who was the last pick for Team Volkanovsky. So the lines, I doubt, are up. Can you check? I would love to they see. They weren't it last night when I checked, but 
Um, I don't want to check because we will have a set the spread for that show. Yeah, um, they, they both are on the main card, so I'm not going to check. They are on the main card? Are you sure? Don't check. Don't check. Don't check. But so the so stay tuned. The lines will be revealed on set the spread for us, which will happen this sa- Sunday, I'm assuming. But yeah, that'll be on the Edson Barbosa Giga Jacate card. Um, oh, and also, uh, so today is August the 18th when recording this. When you're listening to this, it'll be coming up on this, like, I think whatever the, this card's on, like, the 21st or second or something like that. Uh, the 31st of August, Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series comes back. I think it's six weeks of fights in a row or something like that. But, I mean, we talked about Tony Gravely um, or Gravely. We talked about uh, a couple other guys. I mean, we almost every episode we're talking about Tuesday Night Contender Series alum. So, at the end of the day, it's just more out. fights for us to watch, tune in on Gamblon Tuesdays. Yeah, and, and, maybe. and then stay tuned on the, the Angle Big Pot as well because we're going to figure out something to do to cover that stuff, whether it's um, on set the spread, like a little 15 minute hitch off or something. But I, I do, I love that show since it was introduced a couple years back. Definitely. Is that it for news and notes or you got anything else? It's for news and notes. Okay, so here's what we're going to do going forward. News and notes. So we're uh, – it's getting close to the time where, where Parker's going to join us. Really quickly before that happens, I was going to do a couple excerpts. Uh, we're going to call it Fighters to Watch. Um, I'm going to go through the PFL number eight and then also the Bellator 265 quickly. These cards are free to watch. PFL is on ESPN. Bellator is on Showtime. But all the prelims are on YouTube. Um, but you see a lot of crossover. You see a lot of guys from PFL either that were in the UFC and now are fighting in PFL or that, that are, are up and comers in PFL, Bellator, you know, LFA, and they end up making their way to UFC and making a really good run. So PFL number eight is this weekend. It's tomorrow on ESPN and ESPN plus. And, you know, I, I looked up and down this card and, and there wasn't a ton there as far as as guys that i think are going to make a run in the ufc or guys that i even think might get to the u.s yet uh ufc so the only one that i really have and and the main reason for this is because of his affiliation and his you know his, his foundation of skills he's he's russian sambo obviously which we all clamor for and and i wouldn't be surprised if after this pfl stint here this tournament he he makes a ufc appearance and that's dennis goltsov he's a heavyweight 27 and 6 um but just the the he, he fights out of russia um he is proficient in russian sambo and so i i i mean he's a humongous man like 6'5 250 very athletic. I've seen him fight a couple of times. His, his lines are usually untouchable, but that's someone to watch if you're going to tune in on the card for PFL. Then moving along um, on Bellator 265. Now Bellator puts together some really, really good uh, fight cards, something that I'm beyond impressed with. The main event is uh, Sheck Congo. And if you don't know who that is, he did have a stint in the UFC a while back, and he's famous for probably the greatest comeback from being hurt slash wobbled i've ever seen look up Sheck congo versus pat barry rose namayunas's husband um it is like probably some of the best two minutes of fighting you'll ever see 
Um, but th this card, this card's interesting because there's this guy named, uh, he, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, um, but I was watching film. You've seen him in Bellator a lot. If you watch any Bellator at all, he just beat Jeremy Kennedy, who I actually was on Jeremy Kennedy. He was an ex UFC vet. And he also beat a guy on the undercard, Mike Hamill, who's fighting this week as well. But um, his, his name is Adam Borsius or Boy Boyus. He's he's 28 years old and he is his skill sets. What I like, and again, this is just going to sound like me going over the pound for pound list again, but he is extremely, extremely well-rounded and he's fighting an eight and O uh, Kiwi fighter named JJ Wilson, who I haven't taped him as much. I've seen him in Bellator in, in two of his three appearances in Bellator. I watched live, but I haven't, or two of his five, I watched live, but I haven't seen a ton from him. So stay tuned to him as well. He's someone that I think, I mean, he's 24. I bet when he's 27, he'll 28, he'll probably be looking at, at a, at a long UFC run. And then there's also a, a, a guy with a really, really, really strong wrestling foundation. And he actually fights out of Sanford MMA, Kobe, which is a fan favorite camp here on the podcast. Danny's obsessed with them. His name's Logan Storley. Um, 28 years old. He is on a, he, he, he did get his first loss against the current champion, Yaroslav Amozov. Um, so he's currently the champion. I, I believe, yeah, he beat Douglas Lima after getting a split decision over Logan Storley. So Logan Storley is as good as they come. Uh, he beat uh, Joaquin Buckley when Buckley was in Bellator. He beat Matt Secor. And if, if you're a, ultimate fighter fan you remember matt secor from many seasons back i think five six seven seasons ago um but this is a guy that it, i hope he ends up in the ufc because he could make a very 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 serious run for himself his foundation is phenomenal he fights at 170 his his i mean his wrestling really is i would i would argue you know, second to none at, at 170, just a real, I mean, division one wrestler wrestled at Minnesota and you can watch, you can see when he's fighting, how dominant his wrestling is. So this main card for Bellator this week, I mean, there's a couple good prelims. Uh, Taylor Johnson is fighting at, at middleweight. Um, but you know, when a lot of these are just on YouTube guys who might become something, but one and one, one and O's, O and O, you know, making, making pro debuts. But, when, but look at that, the top three fights there. Shaq Congo, J.J. Wilson, and Logan Storley. And you're going to see something that's really going to – you'll see guys that when you're hanging out with your buddies watching a UFC car, you'll be like, oh, I, I know that guy. He fought at Bellator a year and a half ago or whatever. So stay tuned to that. Those are the prospects to watch this week. If you're, if you're looking for MMA, Tuesday – or not Tuesday, Thursday and Friday, those, those are some cards before UFC on Saturday. Let's uh let's take a quick break. We are back after the short intermission. Parker Rogers Rehos McGuire has joined us. Parker, how'd your fantasy draft go? And welcome to the program. Uh, went well. I'm, I'm sad I wasn't a part of the podcast in the beginning, but uh, let's get kicking. No, you were. You've always been a part. You never. You he 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 gave us a, an one hour notice that he wasn't going to be in attendance for a two man show. We lost. We lost 33% of our podcast in an hour's notice. But uh, your haircut definitely made up for it. So, uh, gotcha, pal. You're rolling. Yeah. You're looking fresh. Yeah. Thanks, boys. Thanks, boys. It, it, all, it's all for the viewers. So, 
Parker thought he was going to get off easy. He's not. Curtain Jerker, this week, this card is Saturday, August 21st. Prelim card starts at 6 p.m. Main card starts at 9 p.m. Without Danny's commentary on the way back, this is going to go a little bit quicker than usual, but I definitely have some notes on a couple of these. So look alive. Parker, Curtain Jerker, Walterweight Bout, name both of the fighters. Not just one, both of the fighters. Those, those. Sasha. Yep. That's that. Palanikov. Palatnikov. That's actually decently close for you. Is fighting. Yep. Now this one, I don't even know. I'm still going to stick with my gut. I think it's Ramsey. I think it's just a a fun name. I think it's Ramsey. Country called on this name. Brahama. Because you're already wrong with Ramsey, and Brahama is also. Brahama. I think it's Ramiz Bramaj. Bramaj. I had Bramaj as well. But we won't know until John Anik says it out of his sweet pursed lips. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Last time we talked about how we weren't basing pronunciation off of off of the announcer. I got I got fucking body bagged here because No, that's not true. Cause you thought I know you thought about Jan Jan Jaunan is the one you're talking about. Yes. And, yeah, no, Anik never fucks that one up. All right. Here's what we got. So the first fight is the Sasha Palatnikov versus Ramsey uh, Brimage. So Palatnikov is actually the underdog here uh, at plus 106. Ramsey is minus 130. But over on five dimes, which we always use, uh, Brahimaj is minus 140 and, and Palatnikov is plus 120. So I don't have a ton on this one, mainly because uh, I've been saying Ramsey now because of Parker, uh, because I haven't seen enough out of... Uh, Brahimaj, he fights out of Fortis, which obviously I, I mentioned when we were going through something, one of the uh, PFL or Bellators, that Fortis is a camp that we like here. Um, they, they develop their fighters well. We, we like to ride Fortis in a lot of our bets. But we've only seen one UFC fight, and he ended up losing kind of off, I, I don't want to say a doctor stoppage. It was, he had like, I don't even remember. It was, it was against Max Griffin uh, late last year. We were still doing the podcast for this one. But it was like an ear injury. It was, a, it was a weird fight. And so I have a big question mark over him, especially because his, his record going into the UFC was very scattered throughout LFA. LFA brings a lot of phenomenal talent to the UFC. But, I mean, when you're going when – you, when you drop 33% of your fights in LFA – you wonder if it was a if it was a body reason, if he was truly ready. I mean, he's 28 years old, so there's still some time to mature. On the other side, you have Platnikov, and that name probably sounds familiar because Danny lost a big one when he bet Luis Cosi uh, late last year on the Figgy Perez card. And Cosi was a big favorite, gassed out, Sasha weathered the storm, and ended up getting the W. They then threw him in uh, and it did not go as well as the Louise Cosi fight did, but those are two really, really high level fighters to be thrown into. I mean, he fought uh, Monir Lazez in a different promotion, which you've also written. So, you know, I-, I would say here, Dogger pass. I don't know if you really want to ride a guy who's known for being durable. That's usually not the greatest sign because it means how did you find out he was durable, but until I see more of uh, Brahimaj, I think Sasha Palatnikov at plus 120. He is the experience edge, uh, a big experience chip, and that's something I like to weigh heavily on. 
Uh, second fight out, Roosevelt Roberts versus Ignacio Bahamunez. We are going to give Parker that one also for pronunciation of the week, but he drilled it in rehearsals, in dress rehearsals. Uh, so if you watch the Tuesday Night Contender Series, something that we did mention uh, that's coming back in news and notes, uh, Ignacio is the Chilean kickboxer that came off that show. He won a contract. I don't believe... I'm don't quote me on this. Let me see. I think he has one fight in the UFC outside of that. Um, outside. Yeah. He lost to John McDessie, who is for those who don't know McDessie, he's a, a UFC veteran. Um, very like he's been around for a long, long time. Very phenomenal fighter. So that's a, a split decision loss. There's actually a cap in his hat to me. Roosevelt Roberts is a high level prospect that a lot of people, um, are really big fans of. He actually has a rookie card in this year's Prism set. I know we talk about cards every once in a while. But I have been extremely, extremely unimpressed with Roosevelt Roberts recently. Um, he got absolutely shit on last time out in a standing guillotine from Kevin Kroom. And that was one that he was minus, geez, I want to say three, 400. Uh, he got armbarred by Jim Miller in the first round. I mean, Jim Miller's as veteran as they come, but I don't know. That's tough. The one fear I have for this fight is that it's going to be a boxing slash kickboxing fight. I mean, Roosevelt Roberts is extremely long. Roosevelt Roberts likes to keep this uh, thing standing and, and striking at range. He doesn't want to get into the grappling exchanges. And, and unfortunately, Ignacio is going to play that fight for him. He's, he's going to fight that fight. He's going to play right into Roosevelt Roberts' hands. So although the I want to see the, the resume and record, I, I lean Ignacio because the Kevin Kroon loss is really just that terrible. I think that at the line of minus 145 for Roosevelt Roberts, I, I hate to say it, but I think it's another dogger pass type scenario. But I lean a lot heavier on the pass just because of the type of fight and the type of pace this fight is going to play out at. Um, one thing, though, is for the fight to go to decision or, or the over, it's kind of playable. Uh, you're seeing minus 125 right now that the fight goes to decision, and these guys are both extremely, extremely ranging kick, rangy kickboxers who are very technically sound, so they set their strikes up a lot, and sometimes it takes out feeling out um, around, even around and a half, and it really is good for hitting the overs. Um, so potentially look at that, potentially look at the dog there. Uh, I do also have a quick tidbit on the light heavyweight bout up next, William Knight versus Fabio Charant. Um, William Knight is a sizable favorite, but it's gone down. He's minus 170 right now. He was as high as minus 275. Uh, but William Knight's minus 170. Fabio Charant is plus 150. This fight's interesting because... William Knight is a guy that came off the contender series as well. He had a really, really big win that I believe the entire pod whiffed on. We all had Alexi, uh, Alexa Kummer, and William Knight showed his, his domination in wrestling that a lot of people did not see coming, and me included. I, I'll admit, me included. Um, so he, he lost to the Iron Turtle last time out, Da Unjong. Uh, via unanimous decision, he was the favorite there, so that did not age as well. But this Fabio Trant fight's interesting, and the main one of the main reasons why it's interesting 
is because he's kind of somebody that got thrown to the wolves. Um, he made his UFC debut, debut against Alonzo Manyfield on severely, severely short notice, and it ended as such. It showed him. It, it, it literally showed that it, it was a short notice fight. He got Von Floon choke, which is, I mean, there's not even double-digit finishes all time in UFC. Uh, round one from Alonzo Manyfield, who obviously, if you know Alonzo Manyfield, he leans heavily on his striking, very similar to William Knight. I, I think that what you really need to take away from this one is I think Sharant's in over his head here. He's 26 years old. He fights out of Lozon MMA. Uh, for those who are a longtime fan of the sport, Joe Lozon is a UFC Hall of Famer and veteran. But you're looking at a light heavyweight guy who's getting Von Floon choked by a guy who, who primarily likes to, to march you down and, and strike with you. And I think that William Knight really can, can take this to the mat as he showed against Alexa Kummer and just grind this one out. Um, I, I, I actually do like William Knight here. Whether it actually sees my hard-earned cash, I want to tell you now, yes, I believe it will as of Wednesday night. But we'll see as it gets closer. With that being said, always stay tuned to Ankle Pick Pod on Twitter. Danny and I both go nuts with our official plays on there. And we also live tweet the card, which is always fun. Uh, women's Bantamweight Bound, I don't have a ton to add here. It's Bay Malecki. And she, I want to say she has, yeah, she's, a, uh, she's this lanky Swede. She, and I, she actually beat, uh, I mean, she only has like two or three pro fights on her record. She's fighting a girl named uh, Josina Nunez. And I just, I, I don't know enough about her either. Um, she did beat Julian Arujo though, in, in some other promotion, that was a name that jumped out at me. Don't have a ton of to add, but I imagine she's a heavy favorite, but she's actually not, uh, Bay Malecki is minus 155. Nunez is plus 135. So I just had same golden rule that Danny and I always say dog or pass is pretty much uh, a staple, especially in a fight like that. Um, only two fights left here on the prelim card. Once again, Saturday, August 21st at 6 p.m. So it's over on ESPN2 in the Apex. Bantamweight bout. Brian Kelleher versus Domingo Pilarte. And this one is interesting because Kelleher is a guy who, obviously, you probably, if you're listening to this podcast, you know who he is. He's made his rounds. He's, he's a veteran of the sport. I would say he's 35 years old. He's on the older side. Uh, but he's a gamer. I mean, he he's known for putting good fighters, good young fighters in tough spots. He, he guillotined Ode Osborne, which is um, Brian Kelleher's go-to move. He loves the guillotine. He beat Ray Rodriguez, who's a submission specialist, uh, specialist via guillotine um, just late 2020. Um, he beat Hunter Azier via KO, which was impressive, Ode Osborne. So you, but you look for the choke here. You look for the choke here. But then you go to the other side, and you're looking at a guy who is – uh, in Domingo Pilarte, who is phenomenal, phenomenal off his back and on the mat. Um, so it's interesting. He has a notable win in, in LFA against Adrian Yanez, who is obviously, you know, now can he might even be ranked. Kobe, check this for me. Uh, is Adrian Yanez ranked at Bantamweight? Um, I'd be interesting to hear that. I believe he's Bantamweight. He might be Featherweight. Uh, Adrian Yanez is Bantamweight, I'm pretty sure. Not ranked. But what? Not ranked. Not ranked. So, But he's a guy who's right on the fringe of being ranked. 
in the UFC coming off like three or four straight, like vicious knockouts. He just knocked out uh, blanking on his name, but Randy Costa, that's his name. Randy Costa just knocked out viciously for his like third or fourth UFC knockout in a row for 135. And this guy actually has a win over him. Um, And then, so it's, it's interesting, but I, I don't see a play here. I, I won't lie to you. The line's kind of close. It's Brian Kelleher minus 172. Domingo Pilarte plus 152. I just don't see Brian Kelleher getting a guillotine choke off. And I'm really, really scared that he's going to pull guard and fight off his back. I cannot emphasize that enough. And Pilarte has a good enough fight IQ where that won't be an issue for him. Um, and, then, and then the main event, Capper, uh, the, 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 the nightcap for the prelims here is Austin Lingo versus Luis Saldana. Um, That's a featherweight bout. The line on that is Luis Saldana minus 120, Austin Lingo uh, at a dead even um, plus 100. So Austin Lingo is a guy that you may have heard of. He also fights out of Fortis MMA. He's only had two UFC appearances, but one was a really big one. It was on a pay-per-view card. And then he also got a fight on UFC uh, on ABC one, too. So those are two higher profile cards. But the big one was a unanimous decision loss to Yusuf Salal. And if you're familiar with this podcast, we talk about Yusuf Salal quite a bit. Uh, Luis Saldana has a couple wins. He's another guy that came off the contender series. He's kind of been a journeyman. He, he, he Most of his losses happened in his early career. And you see that a lot with guys who throw themselves into pro fights early. So I, I would steer, I would cause you to steer away from his record. Um, Cause he's currently on a five fight win streak, beating guys like Jordan Griffin and Vince Murdoch, which are significantly more impressive wins. But again, unfortunately I, I have taped this one and I, I really do not see a spot here. Um, I'm bummed. I, I wanted to see a spot here at the even line, but it's, these guys are really just that evenly matched and there's too many unknowns. Um, so for that, I, I probably would caution you to just lay off that featherweight bout there and maybe try to pick some spots on the main card. Speaking of main card, Reese, I'll give you a second and catch your breath. Yeah, First, clap it up for Reese rolling through all those. Yeah, yeah that was a quick 20 minutes there. <laughs> well done, Reese. Um, we, we can kind of intro the main card here real quick. So we're going to skip MCC for the week. What we're going to do though, is we don't want to leave y'all hanging. I know that those have been riding. Parker's props here. Uh, those have been super green. So we're still going to come to Parker after each one of these main card fights. Check out Parker's prop and uh, keep it moving. We're going to roll through the main card. And Reese, once you're uh, ready to roll here, let's, let's dig yeah, back no, I'm in. I'm ready. I, I'm just happy because I've gotten two weeks of prep work. And so I don't know if I can speak or get enough breath to get it all out, but I. I'm just excited about this card. Well, well, speaking of two weeks, you, you guys have made note of this in the past too, but when you have the extra week and you have the time to tape, these are usually your greenest weeks, you and Danny. Very true. And uh, I guess also worth pointing out that Danny's not with us on the pod this week, but he will have his plays posted to Twitter. So keep an eye out there at Ankle Pick Pod and at Longhorn MMA. He'll have his plays up. We'll get Reese's up as well and uh, go from there. Danny is still alive, by the way. Kobe, you made it sound like he died. Yeah, no longer with us like Eloy Jimenez, him and Chubbs. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I do worry about that. So 
we'll just get started. Um, the first fight in the main card, this is this card's going to start at 9 o'clock, so we're lucky that we can get um, drunk late into the night this time instead of the card ending at, like, 9 p.m. Like usual, this one's starting at 9 p.m. We have a flyweight bout, and this flyweight bout's interesting for just a regular UFC card on ESPN because you're looking at, in my opinion, a, pot- a potential number one contender fight here. And Alexandre Pantoja and Brandon Royval. So Alexandre Pantoja has actually beaten current champion Brandon Moreno twice now in, in his career. He's 2-0 against him. Brandon Royval, uh, he's a guy that, you know, he's on the younger side of things. He pulled off a phenomenal submission over, I want to say Kai Car. Yeah, Kai Car France, round two guillotine. He got beat up pretty bad in the first round and just absolutely took Kai Car, uh, Kai Car France's neck home with him. Um, he also fought Brandon Moreno on the undercard of Figgy's title defenses before Brandon Moreno. If you're, if you go far enough back against Alex Perez and he actually dislocated his shoulder in that fight and he was still very much in it. And it was just an unfortunate incident. And he tried to fight through it. Tough as nails did not quit at all for a second. But you're looking at a guy that has a phenomenal submission pedigree. I mean, like you're looking at a guy who you're never safe. Even if Pantoja comes out and wins round one and round two, the submission is still very, very live for him. So if you're going to bet Royville, especially because he's so comfortable fighting off his back, I would actually suggest potentially taking Royville by submission. Um, you can get that plus 500 instead of the plus 150 or 160 that it currently is because uh, knockout is extremely unlikely or more unlikely in my opinion. Pantoja's got, uh, he, he's got a, a, good, a good striking background, but he also has, has a pretty good chin, especially for 125. And then there's always the decision aspect to it, but I fear that if it hits the card, Pantoja is a veteran. He pushes the pace a lot and loves to dominate the center of the octagon. He loves to march you down and put you in the uncomfortable waters. He, in his own right, is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He's only 31 years old, fights out of AT&T, ATT. God, I, did, I pulled a Danny. Um, but you absolutely can – I've made this prediction before on the podcast. I actually do see potentially – him being a, a a champion here at the flyweight division, that is Pantoja. I mean, he, he lost to Asker Askarov via unanimous decision recently. Asker is probably next in line. Um, he did also lose via unanimous decision to D, uh, D, uh, D, eh, Figueredo. But the thing with that is he gassed there, and that's been an issue for him is gassing out. And if, if Royville wants to fight off his back, you worry a little bit less about that. So I like Pantoja to win. I'm not betting it. If you really want to bet this fight, I think the best spot is actually Royville via submission. Although you are dealing with another back black belt. I, I think you lay off, but I, 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 if I was picking just straight up, I do actually like uh, Pantoja, the cannibal here. Just to For the main the card curtain jerker, these guys have some. No, this is a this, this is a great, this is a great fight. This yeah, is, this is, you went through them. This is just this is just disrespecting the flyweights here because this right. is the I would say this is the best fight on the main card even over the main event in my opinion I really believe that you went through them but the, the combined losses that these guys have being Brendan Moreno, Askar Askarov, Devin Figueredo, and 
Pantoja has two wins against Moreno. Granted, that's a younger Moreno, but that like these guys, they're, they're quality flyweights. No, Pantoja's, Pantoja realistically, like whether he wins gold at, for the UFC, you're looking at a guy who's like a perennial, like top five flyweight across all organizations. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. He's won me a lot of money. Um, and I, I, I do like him here. I just, Boyville sub at plus 500 is extremely tempting. And, and I'm, I'm curious to see where Parker's prop of the, the decade is. Um, I'm taking Pantoja TKO plus 450. <laughs> so the opposite of what I say. <laughs> yep. No, I, well, that's how he's got to where he is. Yeah, I would rank it probably Pantoja decision, Royville submission, and then probably Pantoja KOTKO. So you're third in line, but we'll see. And plus 450, you said? Plus 450, yep. We cannot emphasize this enough. Parker is extremely green on these props. We literally are doing – we're foregoing the MCC this week because no Danny, and we're still asking him to read his props off because of how green they've been. Sprinkle a dollar or two and just watch watch the cents add up, baby. Um, Kobe, you don't have anything to add on this first one, do you? Nope, just that I'm excited for it. Cool. Lightweight bout. Vince from hell, Pichel, uh, old tough vet against Austin Hubbard. The line on that is Vince Pichel. Ooh, I'm actually intrigued by this line. Minus 110, Austin Hubbard minus 110. Wow. Um I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have guessed that Pichel just being, I mean, I, I, I know I sound like a broken record. I say every week that Vince Pichel or not Vince Pichel, that, that experience is one of my favorite things and size is one of my favorite things. And Pichel brings the experience to the table for sure. Um, he recently dominated Jim Miller in a unanimous decision. I actually had Jim Miller there. Uh, first small, I mean, it was, it was close to even, but I had Jim Miller. I lost that one. He beat Roosevelt Roberts, who's on his undercard here. Um, and, and he put up a good battle against Gregor Gillespie, but unfortunately, I mean, Gregor Gillespie is just, as we know, is just, I mean, just on a different level. Um, but yeah, I mean, Vince Michelle's 38 and he's 13 and two. It's a lot of it's inactivity, but you cannot discredit a man's, the man's not, not resume, but his, his experience his in cage octagon experience. He's been in front of the lights. He's been on the ultimate fighter, the live season, of the ultimate fighter. So you got a lightweight guy there. And then you got a 29 year old Austin Hubbard. He fights at elevation to fight team. That's Justin Gaethje's camp. I mean, he got subbed by Joe Selecki, which Danny called from a mile away. Uh, he lost to Marco Manson. Who's in a couple fights here. Lost to Davi Ramos just recently beat Dakota Bush. I mean, I would lean Pichel just from the experience standpoint, but nothing to bet here in my eyes. There's no clear advantage either way, in my opinion. Um, you you had Pichel minus 140 at set the spread last week. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's Pichel actually did open on 8-4 at minus 160, so it's come down. So Yeah, that, it's interesting because it's still coming down, and I understand why it's coming down. I had it 140. It's touchable at 110. But if you're working a, a 40 hour week or an 80 hour week or, or hourly or hour somewhere week, in between, somewhere in between, I, I wouldn't put my hard earned money on a 38 year old kind of inactive guy. Uh, Bantamweight bout, Trevor Jones. Parker's prop. They got you. And then a ding, 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 
Oh, wait, Parker. Wait, we got a couple things coming up. We got Parker's prop here. Vince Michelle versus Austin Hubbard. What do you got? I'm going to take the guy out of Illinois. Give me Hubbard decision plus 180. Okay. That's actually not terrible. Um, And then in the next one, we have a bandwidth bout. Trevin Jones versus who, Parker? This is a pronunciation of the week. This is the... You got no chance. No one's got a chance. This is the crown jewel. See, I, I don't know if it's harder or easier for me when I take my time and like say it like letter by letter. So I'm gonna go a little quicker here. I think it's Sayudu Koop mm-hmm. Kakaramanov. Ding ding ding! Directly right. I mean, I have, I have no idea. Sayudu Koop um, Kakra- Kakra- Kakramanov. Maybe. I don't know. I'm 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 guessing as much as Parker is. I just know he's a 25 year old out of Uzbekistan. That's all I know. But um. This fight, and uh, Kobe, you might know how to find this better than I know how to find this, but I believe it's got it got announced like recently, recently. Like, was this yeah, even on the MCC? Since our yeah, since we recorded last week, it's gotten announced. So it was on MC or so no, it was. Spread. It was not on. It was not on set the spread. I didn't think it was. Yeah. So there's only one line out right now. It's on. REF, so it might just be reference. I don't fucking know. But it, they have it at Trevin Jones minus 103 um, and Kak- Kakaramanov at, at minus 117. So Trevin Jones is a guy that you should be familiar with because I believe we like just covered him, like just, just covered him. He fought, eh, not just covered him. He, uh, oh no, he was probably in a canceled bout here. Um, but Fought Mario Bautista, won uh, very, very fast hands. He won on the Adesanya Blanchwitz card. Then we covered him, too, because of the Timor Valley fight. We were talking about Timor Valley, and it ended up being a no contest, and I'm not totally sure why. Um, but you have, let's see. Um, I don't know. You have a no contest here when he fought Timor Valley. I'm on the spot here trying to look it up as we go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's on a three fight win streak. He, he's 125 or 135. He's, he's, he's young, but he's really, really fast. I mean, he's a guy who's, who's very, I mean, you'll, you'll see it. You, you'll, you'll hear me say it now and then you'll watch him live this Saturday and you'll be like, Oh, that guy, he Reese wasn't fucking kidding. That guy's fast as fuck. I mean, his hands are lightning. Um, he, he does lack a little bit of the fight IQ though. And then the other side, he's fighting a guy who's making his UFC debut. I, I, won't even pretend like I know who, like what he brings to the table, but, but I do know. And I actually watched, I, I swear to God, uh, he fought, uh, Umar Numagomedov in PFL, uh, like God, three years ago or four years ago. Um, he lost that one via unanimous decision, but obviously I look at that more as phenomenal experience gained and less about, you know, getting a loss for unanimous decision. He beat Asker Asker, not Asker Askarov, Asker Asker, who uh, was going to make his UFC debut, and then he fell on uh, tough times with health, and and the UFC did not uh, continue his contract, so I wish him the best. But, yeah, he got a, a quick win there. So, you know, I just, again, can't put my hard-earned money here. I, I probably would would – lean Kakaramanov just because of the fact that he's 25 years old and he's he's but Trevin Jones I mean he's fast man uh, it'll be interesting I I would if I were you uh, I would suggest the listeners just watch this one I uh, disagree with you Reese I don't obviously don't know much about 
I know more about Trevin Jones than I do about um, Sayudakub. I think Trevin Jones, there's no line for it yet. I think he's going to win by sub. Feel feel rear naked choke coming in. That um, is a wild take, but I respect the shit out of it. Like, you don't understand. My respect boner is out of control, but that is just a, a, a crazy – that's going to be a fat line. So whatever that line is, Cobe, mark me down for it. I mean, what's interesting about that is Trevin Jones, his last couple fights have been via the hands, but he's actually a guy who has a Brazilian jiu-jitsu foundation. Um, so that's – it's – See, I'm starting to think that you play dumb and you're like, oh, I'm a casual. I don't know what's going on, whatever, whatever. But you're actually just a fucking sharp and a half because that that's something that like you need to dig. I mean, that's page six Google shit right there to find I, out. I followed, I followed DK Capper MMA and, uh, and Reese Pulfer over here. Thank you, buddy. I yeah. I mean, if you listen to Longhorn DK Capper MMA underscore 69, then you're you're doing business. Um. Moving up the moving up the car, we have like this is one where someone's probably going to sleep, but you're looking at some of like the least technical. This is gonna be the least technical fight you've seen in a long time. You got Parker Porter against Chase Sherman at heavyweight on the main card. Parker Porter is or the line here is I think we well, yeah, Chase Sherman's actually minus one ninety, Park Parker Porter plus one sixty-five. Reasonably so. I mean, Chase Sherman's a guy who got cut from the UFC. He's back in the UFC now. Um, he's someone that, I mean, he, he's just someone to me that like, if you're trusting him with your hard earned cash, I want to know what job you have because he is someone that can, he's like, uh, Oh, he's like Matt Stafford. He clutches losses out of the jaws of victory. Now, now you're going to need to listen to that one for a second. Listen to what I just said. This man could be winning, and he somehow manages to punt that motherfucker, whether it's a bad fight IQ, a bad engagement, leaving his chin high in the air, not getting his head off the center line, leaning his hands at his hips, getting into a firefight because he's a fucking maniac. Don't know what it is, but it's always going to be something. So, I mean, he, he put it this way. Two fights ago, he's fighting in bare-knuckle FC and, and losing, mind you, but bare-knuckle FC. I mean, this guy just... You, you ask yourself late at night, you ponder, does this man exist for violence or does violence exist for this man? I, I don't know. It's the age-old question. The other side, you got Parker Porter, just a, a undersized, chubby, old, mind you, 36-year-old heavyweight. Now, you're probably saying, Reese, you're harsh as fuck on these guys. They're UFC-level talent. I mean, that's debatable. Um, but there's no way you'd say this to their face. And you're right. These guys are huge men. I'm really happy to be behind a computer screen while I'm saying this. But you have a 36-year-old aging Parker Porter who didn't make his UFC debut until, like, fucking 2020, um, and which he got knocked out in the first round. Then you got Chase Sherman, who was in bare-knuckle fighting three fucking months ago. And so for this one, I hit you with the hard pass. Um, I have no interest in betting this fight, and I might even have less interest in watching this fight. And that's a guy who hasn't missed a fight card in seven and a half years. Somebody's going to hit the mat. That's worth watching. Maybe. Or they just fucking, I don't know. Probably. I don't know. Parker, Parker. hit me with your surprise pop where it's like, draw. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest. Before you, before you uh, I, was, I heard you talk, I was actually on him for decision. And I looked into it more. I'm going Sherman round one plus 300. Mm. What's round two? Do you have it in front of you? 
Um, I do. Sherman round two is plus 850. Sorry, that's Porter. Sherman round two is plus 475. Oh, that makes sense. I was about to say, 850 might be worth the extra 500. All right. Yeah, okay. First round, Chase Sherman. So, Parker. Parker beating Parker. Yeah, Parker. I, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but anytime a person named Parker has fought, I have always been on the opposite person there. Uh, I'm team fade Parker. Parker, I think I'm actually going to send you a Porter beer for this fight. You got to chug it on cam for, for the social media viewers. Uh, Parker Porter. So Parker Chubbs a, ch- chugs a Porter, not Chubbs. Chugs a Porter. What do you think? Maybe. Works, works for me. There you go. All right. You'll see that on Twitter when Parker doesn't get the first round. Or he does. When he hits the first round, KOTK on Chase Sherman, he's going to chug a beer. We can frame I, it however we want. We can do it yeah. later. Dude, I'm loving I, I'm just all about drinking content. Uh, we're all we drink and sometimes talk about UFC. Light heavyweight or lightweight bout is the co-main event. This one's actually, I'm not even lying. You're gonna be like, shut the fuck up. But this is my second favorite fight on the card here, maybe third. Clay Guida, uh, wily old veteran versus Mark Omanson. Mark Omanson's an Olympic wrestler. Wrestling's my favorite foundation. Clay Guida also has some sort of wrestling in his back pocket, but he's more just a veteran of the sport. Um, Marco Manson is minus 165, Clay Guida plus 145, but get a load of this. Marco Manson actually all of August 6th was minus 125. Is that what it was? Parker or Kobe, do you have what set this, what we were guessing for set the spread and what set the spread was? Marco Manson, Marco Manson would open minus 250 on eight, four on what was this 811 when we did set the spread minus 155 wait you said 84 marco manson on the 4th of august yeah minus 250 there's no way that's true because or at least i'm clicking it right now and on five dimes it says it was marco manson minus 125 but i thought you were right i remember you saying that this might just be a glitch i think it's a glitch i know i remember that line in particular okay so Oh, you're right. Okay, I'm looking at it right now. Marco Manson opened at minus 250. Clay Guida plus uh, 210. It's currently, yeah, in the, what, minus 150, minus 160 range? I mean, you got a guy. Basically, this is the best way to break this fight down. You have a guy in Marco Manson, 10-0, undefeated uh, in his professional fighting career. But he's an Olympic-level wrestler who... Obviously, if he can use his wrestling, he can win. I mean, I believe his last – he's had a couple UFC appearances. Um, you, he, Austin Hubbard being one of them just, you know, destroyed him from the top. Uh, Danilo Bellardo, who obviously – I don't even think he's in the UFC anymore, but he, he ground and pounded him. You look at a guy who has a phenomenal background. I would love to see him fight a guy like a Charles Oliveira or something where it's like, the, it would be impossible to not wonder how long it takes for this submission. I mean, you're looking at a 39-year-old Clay Guida. I would say pass, and this is what's going to shock you the most. If you're going to bet this fight, if you're like, look, I'm blacked out. I need to bet this fight. There's nothing else I want. I want to bet this fight. I actually say take Clay Guida. I'm dead serious. I think Clay Guida, I mean, again, this is me going experience, experience, experience. But when you're, when you're Marco Manson, and you're 36 years old, and you have, I don't know, five or, or, or what is it, 10 professional fights, uh, only two of them being in the UFC, 
the rest of them being against other Olympians and cage warriors and so on and so forth. It, it's it, it's going to be a big step up in skill set and game plan and knowledge. And that's why I would say, I, I think I link Guida at the plus 145. And it sounds like Sharps agreed with me because it opened all the way up at minus 250. Parker, what do you think? So, I'm I'm going with Madsen here. Okay. I, I was leaning TKO plus 825. Oh, dude, Guida doesn't go out. However, I'm going Madsen round one TKO plus 1800. Okay, so this one's absurd. Parker's going for the juice. What's let me let me go let me go tit for tat for DeGaio here. What is do you have him up right now, Parker? Yep. What is Clay Guida um, decision and then also Clay Guida in the distance? Clay Guida decisions plus 275. Okay. And you want inside the distance? Yeah, just out of curiosity. Plus 455. What about just submission? Guida submission plus 820. Hmm. All right, I'll, I'll add a little extra juice here. Give me Guida via submission plus 820, Kobe. Ink it. I think that Marco Manson's inexperience is going to hurt him here. I'd be shocked if he gets a finish over Guida. Guida's, I mean, he's 39, but man, that guy comes back for more and more. Main event. Uh, this is probably not so much for Kevin Gaslam, but I think if Jared Cannonier wins this, it puts him in a very, very good spot to get the next crack at Adesanya. Honestly, maybe even Gaslam. I know Gaslam's been on a losing streak, but like, Israel Adesanya versus Gaslam 2 would not be a tough sell after the first one at all. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're looking at a guy like Jared Cannonier who, who realistically, if he beat Rob Whitaker, he's in Rob Whitaker's spot right now. So he's probably next in line Izzy stays relatively active versus Kelvin uh, Gaslam, who everyone knows. But the line here is significantly shorter than, than that of Bob Whitaker versus Kelvin Gaslam. It's It's – Jared Cannonier minus 145, Kelvin Gastelum plus 125, that being over on five dimes. It opened at Jared Cannonier minus 240, which is very similar to Robert Whitaker, and has steamed all the way down. For me, I'm gonna I I, I just really am gonna put this as plain as simple as possible. And it's something that I've said a lot, and it's something that I've used against Israel Adesanya, but I think Kelvin Gastelum is a good fighter in his own right. Like he's got his, he is plagued by the fact that I want to call it RDA disease, Rafael Dos Anjos disease, where he doesn't have a true weight class because him fighting at middleweight at five, nine is an absolute disservice to him. Um, and you got a guy on the other side, Jared Cannonier, who was fighting at heavyweights, literally at heavyweight when, ha- I mean, all of two, three years ago, this man's a heavyweight. Now he's an absolute chiseled out middleweight versus a guy who's a chubby middleweight and was fighting at welterweight. I think you'll see a massive size advantage. Even if Kelvin Gastelum has the technical striking advantage and he does have a wrestling foundation, I think that that you, you look at a guy like Jared Cannonier and you look at a guy like Kelvin Gastelum, Kelvin Gastelum's undersized, Calvin Gastelum is one in four in his last five, only beating uh, Ian Heinish. Um, then you got a guy on the other side, like Jared Cannonier, who has <clears throat> he's older, right? You would think you would think Calvin Gastelum's older. 
Kelvin Gaston actually started his career extremely young, 21-22 on the Ultimate Fighter. He's only 29. Cannonier, on the other hand, started it a little bit later. He's 37. But you look at a guy that annihilated Jack Hermanson. Jack Hermanson beat Kelvin Gaston pretty easily. Uh, he ended up beating Anderson Silva with low leg kicks, beat uh, David Branch. Um, so, you know, I think that I look at a guy like Cannonier and I think that 140 is an absolute steal. And if I were you at listening to this podcast, I, I would say that by the time the fight closes, it'll be a lot closer to Jared Cannonier minus 170, minus 180, maybe even minus 190. So I would lock in the minus 145 while you can, and I'll probably be doing it after we shut off recording. Kenanier has the size advantage. Kenanier has the power advantage. Uh, if the fight stays in the clinch, advantage Kenanier. If the fight does hit the mat and Kenanier's on his back, that'd be interesting. But Gaslam's one of those wrestlers who fell in love with his hands. Uh, I, I, I pretty much, other than age, I'm, I'm, all, in, I'm all in on Kenanier. And I, 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 I like him here, especially at minus 145. I don't know if it's bad news, the fact that every single time I'm on the opposite end of, of what you're going with, like the complete opposite, I'm going to go with Gassum decision plus 246. Now, and again, not to out you, but can, may I ask a follow-up question of, of why? Is there a rhyme or reason to this, or is this just a feeling in the nuts? This one is just not even a feeling. This one I just picked to pick. Okay. Um, I'll have to say it's been a couple of fights, a couple of cards since I've actually been like, you know what? Like, I'm really liking this. Um, Maybe don't feel like I'm fully stretching, but no, I definitely wouldn't like put my my name on this one. Yeah. I mean, because yourself, short. you've still been hot. No, that's what I'm saying. Regardless if you like them or not, you've been as green as green gets. Whether there's a method to the madness or not, it's fucking madness. The only reason why I followed up with that question is because it's not the worst take. I mean, Kelvin Gaslam's experienced, and there's there is a chance that this goes to the decision, although it is five rounds, which definitely is tough for guys as middleweights who like to throw. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that when you got a guy that's 5'9 versus a guy who's 6'1, I just feel bad for Gaslam because if his frame was just a little bit different, he could be a phenomenal 170 or even 155 at 5'9. But man, 185 with a little chunk, junk in the trunk, that is a tough sell when you're looking at a guy across from you who fought at heavyweight who's absolutely ripped to the core. The reason, the reason I went with decision is out of his 16 wins, six of them were, were KO, TKO four were submission and six were decision. So I'm playing the odds there. Now, let me ask you quick though. And again, I know this is too deep and this is definitely out of your pay grade, but out of those Kelvin Gaslam decision victories, how many of them were five round main events might be zero. I mean, he, he did go five rounds with uh, Adesanya. He lost, but he did go five rounds. He did gas though. And that's ended up what costing him. Um, you're the only time he's had, uh, Adesanya five rounds, he lost. And then he also lost five rounds and a split decision to Neil Magny. That was five. His last, his last time out, he lost to Bobby Nux in a unanimous that was, in five. That was five. Okay. So he's lost five. in five. Okay. That, that's cause I was thinking on, on decisions. I know that like 
most of his decisions, at least recently, were either three round or later earlier in his career where he was like not near a main event. You know what I mean? Tides are turning. I'm sticking with it. Let's let's drive. Who am I to tell you? I'm dead last in MCC and I'm not even close. And you are so far green that if I was throwing a dollar on all your props, I would not be sitting here on a Wednesday night at 10 p.m. So who am I to tell you what to do? Um, Kobe, phenomenal episode. I appreciate you stepping into the deep end and going toe-to-toe with me for those pound-for-pound rankings and chopping up the first shit. And Parker, I appreciate you for cutting some time out. I mean, you had some, I mean, it is fantasy football season amongst us and you put this as a priority. So I know our listeners appreciate it. Kobe, anything to add before we sign off? I got nada. Parker, anything you want to add or say before we sign off? I want to sign off. You want to sign off? All right. I'll give you the sign off before we sign off. uh, Follow us on all socials at ankle pick pod. Give Danny a hard time at DK Capper MMA Longhorn, I believe. Um, I don't totally know, though. It's somewhere. Uh, also, thank you to the Believe Network. We always are appreciative for all you've done for us. Sean Merriman, shout out to you. Interview is phenomenal. Tony Gravely, we're looking forward to having you back. And big things coming soon, boys. A lot of interviews on deck and a lot of green to be made. Parker, sign off is yours. Man. I believe I hear a little po Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.